This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. So Paul's saying, you want to know what I believe? Let me tell you. Again, I'm writing this letter so that you may support me on my trip to Spain. And then he says, here, here's the gospel I believe. Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. I am here with my friend and co-host, James Dalzell. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. And we are excited to have as our guest, Rob Ventura. He is one of the pastors of Grace Community Baptist Church of North Providence, Rhode Island. He holds an MDiv from Reformed Baptist Seminary. He's an author and blogger for Reformation 21, one of the Alliance sites. And he's co-authored two books on Reformation Heritage Books, uh, Portrait of Paul, Spiritual Warfare, He's general editor of Going Beyond the Five Points, and he's a contributor to the Reformation Heritage KJV Study Bible. So lots of different projects that Rob's been involved with. He and James were just reminiscing about <laughs> trips in the past that they'd taken together. And we want to talk to Rob today about the Book of Romans. So Rob, thanks a lot for joining us. Hey, brothers. Thanks for having me. Now, in addition to all the things I mentioned about your writing, I know that you're working on a Romans commentary right now, and that's kind of the direction we wanted to go in our conversation. So maybe could you tell us a little bit about the commentary? Yeah, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to speak to you guys. And as I mentioned in some emails, uh, volume one of the commentary is still about a year out. Uh, I hope to do it in two volumes, God willing, um, chapters one uh, to eight and then nine to 16. And, uh, you know, having written some things in the past, uh, as I've told a couple, you know, actually writing a commentary on the Bible is such a humbling and daunting task, uh, especially when it comes to Romans. I could have started, you know, something uh, more simple, you know, like on Jonah and just listen to uh, James. Dozell's excellent sermons on that book and uh, started from there. But instead, I decided to do Romans. Why? Well, I love Romans. And actually, I just happened to find a few weeks ago some notes, 60 or 70 pages of notes I did on Romans many years ago. I taught a 13-week class. I'd forgotten all about it. It was probably 21 years ago, uh, back in the Christian and Missionary Alliance days. And uh, just uh, notes I wrote, again, 60, 70 pages, just uh, teaching a class. So Romans has been in my heart for a long time. Obviously, most Christians love Romans in the New Testament. Uh, just one of those books that stand out. It's uh, Paul's epic epistle. And um, I started uh, preaching in Romans, um, oh, probably just under a year ago. Um, and whenever it comes to any book of the Bible that I preach on, as James can testify, um, I buy a ton of commentaries on it. And I sent you guys a little uh, sample of the book. And I mentioned somewhere in the uh, preface that I have over 120 commentaries on Romans, which is uh, correct. Um, and uh, as I've worked through those commentaries, of course, you know, obviously before I preach praying and dealing with the Greek text and all that kind of stuff. But as I've worked through all these wonderful commentaries on Romans, because it's such a well-served book, um, there's something I noticed um, for myself as the busy preacher and uh, pastor and counseling and all the stuff that I'm doing, that there really was not a book that gave me quick, accessible expository nuggets as I work through, um, you know, this, this wonderful epistle. So uh, that was something that made me think, is this something that I might want to do? So as I started preaching verse by verse through Romans, I started taking notes on the side. And then I just finished teaching first semester at Rhode Island School of the Bible, uh, Romans chapters one to three. And with all of these things going on, plus I jumped online and I've been uh, working through a class by Douglas Moo on Romans. Uh, obviously, his commentary is pretty uh, definitive, having replaced uh, John Murray in the NICNT. 
Um, while not perfect at every point, nonetheless, uh, definitely a good commentary. Uh, all of these things kind of just came together in my mind. And I thought, you know what, if I can write something that would help the expositor to kind of get into the text quickly, get some good um, exegetical points, some good applications, some good uh, homiletical outlines so that that man, uh, wherever he is, could be ready uh, to preach um, through Romans uh, a bit more quickly. Uh, maybe he doesn't have, um, you know, the commentaries I have or the time uh, that I put in every week for my messages, uh, basically about 20 hours of sermon. I thought maybe I can put something together that would help men um, all over the world uh, through this great epistle. So that's what I started doing. And as I mentioned, I'm just about uh, ready to start chapter four, and it's been uh, just tremendous to work in the Greek text and to make that um, uh, original text accessible uh, to, um, you know, hopefully the readers in the days ahead. Hey, Rob, as you're formatting this, because I know you, you preempted me, I was going to announce you as a, as a connoisseur extraordinaire of commentaries. Um, and this is how we met 16 years ago, you buying commentaries. Yeah. Um, so I know that you, you know all different sorts of commentaries and styles and approaches and formats and ones that work for you as a minister mm. and ones that sort of aren't as fruitful. When someone comes to read this and as you're putting it together, sort of what's your approach? You take a pericope or a section of scripture sort of what's your MO so far breaking that down for the reader? Yeah, so that's a great question. And, uh, you know, again, Romans being such a well-served book and, and having a lot of different formats um, of Romans, you know, uh, one of the things I'm just thinking of, uh, you know, Richard Longnecker, I don't know if you all been able to work through that, or I'm sure you're familiar with his new commentary on Romans in the NIGNT, really a good work, um, just from an exegetical standpoint and an up-to-date standpoint. But like anything else, I mean, we can jump back, you know, many years and look at Matthew Henry. It's just a lot of reading for a guy to go through. Um, all good commentary. Again, there's a bunch of stuff in between there. Of course, Leon Morris and Colin Cruz and uh, Frank uh, Thielman or Thiemann. He's got a new one coming out in a few weeks, which I'm looking forward to. But with all that reading and, and guys saying a lot of the same things, I wanted something that can get me right into the text, right into uh, the passage of Scripture and give me the exegesis right out of the passage. So that's really what I formatted here for um, myself. So as you guys see in some of the things I I send. Um, it gets right into the text and it does the exegesis um, for the reader. So the name of the book, again, always a working title, as you guys know, is Expository Observations and Practical Insights on Paul's Letter to the Romans, a subtitled Hints and Helps for Pastors and Preachers. So um, again, I'll just get into the text and I will um, highlight um, the words, especially the words I'm going to deal with the Greek, and I will just um, open it up right there for um, the reader. He may know Greek, so he'll say, yeah, I get that. I see that. Um, but if he doesn't know Greek, I'll just open that up for him um, so that they, they get the gist of it right there. So a real time saver. Again, I'll list voice, tense, and mood, and then I'll explain what it means. So again, a person may not know the Greek, but they'll see it there, and then they'll be able to get the, the, the sense of the passage. And actually, I sent this over to Dr. Beaky to have him review it, and he gave me a couple pointers just saying, look, it, is this clear? Um, you know, what's the best way to present it? He gave me a, a couple helpful tips just so it reads um, easy, and uh, he just responded back saying that he really enjoyed it. He said, um, again, this, I don't know what the future will be, but he said RHB will 
will, uh, you know, seriously consider publishing it. Um, and um, he just said that this will be great for the guy who knows Greek and great for the guy who doesn't know Greek. So it's kind of just a simple stop, get into the text. And um, again, every word is dealt with and you don't have to read, you know, 20 or 30 pages on a particular pericope in Roman. So it gets to the point, which is nice. It gives you the exegesis right there uh, in just a, a little box on the page. And then above that, Every section of scripture is um, alliterated. So you'll have the outline right there, which again is helpful for preachers. I'm not saying they've got to use my outline, but uh, it's all right there. And then every section ends with applications for the pastor uh, to the church and then the pastor to unsaved people. So just a real time saver just gets right into it. So for example, I just happened to pull up Romans 1 year, 18 to 32. We got three things, the reality of God's wrath. Secondly, the reason for God's wrath. And then thirdly, the result of God's wrath. So again, if you're a preacher and you happen to be on that section of scripture, that's kind of a nice little outline. Again, I'm not saying it's the best or someone can't make their own, but that's kind of nice, just reality, reason, and result of God's wrath. And then the next section, exegetical and practical insights. I introduce, I introduce rather the section. And then I just start getting into uh, the text itself, pulling out things that the reader may know or he may not know. And then that would take him maybe a hundred commentaries to read to find that one little point that maybe I found in someone and I footnoted. So just a time saver, a one-stop shop, and then again, each section ends with applications, which uh, are crucial. And that's one flaw I saw in a lot of the commentaries. Few of them, very few of them, had uh, applications after the section of the scripture, probably because a lot of the commentators are not pastors. Well, I'm just taking my applications from the sermons I'm preaching every week and putting them as one-liners so the pastor can say, or the guy studying Romans getting rid of the preacher can say, hey, here are some good seed thoughts, and this is a real time saver. As pastors, we're looking for time savers, and I just didn't see it in Romans because everyone's writing very, very lengthy commentaries. Some are up to 900 pages, which is great. But for me, I got to get going, and if I can find one book that's kind of going to give me that exegesis, give me some good outlines and some good homiletical thoughts, that would be a book that I would buy. I'd buy all of them. You know me, James. I just buy them all. People say, what's the best book on that, best commentary? I say get them all. As long as they're evangelical, you get the point. But for me, um, this book does the work of what the man studying would have to do and, again, gives it to them in a simple format. Hey, Rob, um, you mentioned at the beginning the, the daunting nature of, of coming at Romans, and, and you've given us a great outline of the kind of thing that your project, the kind of niche that your project is going to fill. So really looking forward to that. But uh, I, I'm wondering, just could you give us, so we're catching you at the beginning of this project, you're into it a little bit, but but it's not finished. What what are some of the, the points that you have gleaned. I mean, what, what, what are some things that you that have jumped out at you maybe in a new and fresh way? And this might be a good way for us to even end this conversation and, and give people a, uh, a greater desire to dive into Romans for, for themselves, because I think that can sometimes be daunting. So, so what are the things that have really hit home for you as you've embarked on this project? Yeah, I think, again, studying it so closely now and seeing uh, various connections in the book that I would not have thought of um, just, again, in my general study. But, you know, again, coming at Romans, looking at Paul, kind of getting some of the background on this whole thing. You know, Paul had not visited Rome. So Paul knows people there. Obviously, in Acts, we see uh, there are people he's talking to from the Roman church, um, the Romans there. He mentions them in chapter 16. He's writing to them. Paul, apparently, uh, they say he's on a 
his third missionary journey. Again, this is the scholars as they speak about where he is. He's writing to the Roman church. He's saying, hey, I'm coming your way. And one thought, I mean, just initially, Paul is writing to the Romans as a missionary, right? He's on the mission field. And basically, if you look at chapter 15 in that book, I mean, most people, you know, they get so locked into Romans in the earlier chapters, they don't even, uh, you know, get into 15. But if you look at Paul there, he talks about, um, you know, one of the reasons why he's writing um, to this uh, church. And he basically says that uh, I'm going to Jerusalem again. He's going to bring up uh, money for the saints. And he says here um, in uh, chapter 15, I'm just trying to uh, find the verse he talks here, um, that I might come to you. And he says that I may be helped on my way to Spain, mm-hmm. um, you know, from your uh, service to me, from your gift to me. Um, so here's Paul. He's on the missionary. He's on the mission field, rather. He's going to Spain. He's going to pass by the church at Rome. And he's saying, look at, you know, my sending church back in Antioch, you know, they've been funding me, but I'm heading further and further away from Antioch. So I'm going to pass through Rome. And if you all could support me in my missionary endeavors, that would be great. So why does Paul write Romans? Well, I believe that uh, Romans, I, well, I believe that he writes Romans in one sense, just like every missionary who's looking support, uh, looking for support from us as pastors and local churches. We want to know what you believe. So Paul's saying, you want to know what I believe? Let me tell you. Again, I'm writing this letter so that you may support me on my trip to Spain. And then he says, here, here's the gospel, I believe. Now, of course, Paul's got to deal with all kinds of things in that letter. Uh, I get it. But I'm just kind of viewing it from a missionary on the field. Again, that was really striking to me. I never uh, thought about that uh, before. And then again, he gives this beautiful uh, presentation of the gospel and he's letting the church there know or the believers there. There's question if there was official church there in, in, in Rome yet, or it was just a, a gathering of people. Uh, but he's saying, here's my doctrine. Here's what I believe. So it's just like stuff like that. I mean, yeah, you think also, yeah. you think about, uh, well, let me let you guys comment on that. I've got more to say, but any thoughts about that particularly? Yeah. Well, I mean, we won't have too long to comment because we're running out of time, but yeah, I agree with you. I, my, my, um, experience with working with students and then even folks within the church is that the occasional nature of these letters is often lost. They, they are yeah. looked at as abstract kind of theological documents. And of course we use them in some senses in that way. But the fact that what you've been bringing out about Romans in particular, that there was an occasion for this, there was a real setting behind it. There were reasons why Paul wrote it that might have just gone beyond him sitting down and wanting to write out a, a, a systematic system. theology. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So no, I think that's a, that's a critical point, a, a critical observation to make. And, um, you know, something that I think can be transformational when people come to the letter. No, that's right. Let me just give you that text, 1524. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, the church at Rome, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. It's right, just striking. Right. Just I'm letter. looking to you guys to continue to fund my, um, you know, uh, gospel endeavors. Uh, as, as I make my way to Spain, you just say, wow, that, that is real striking. I'll just give you one other thing. Now that you got me going, I'll be real brief, but Romans 1 I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. So we understand that dunamis unto salvation. We, we get all that stuff, but think about the word power there. He's writing to the Roman church, the Romans, all they know about is power, right? They are the power of the world. They're 
the powerhouse, as it were, the strongest nation on the planet at that time. So when he says to them that the gospel is the power of God, what would that have you know meant to them? How would that have registered in their minds? Well, we know about power. We know about Roman power. The whole world is under our power. But Paul says there's a greater power that you need to know about. It's the power of God and the gospel. So stuff like that, little just tidbits for the preacher, little exegetical thoughts, little contextual nuances where they could say, huh, I could run with that. I, I can I can preach that in my sermon. Just little background things. Again, little exegetical points, outlines, applications, just kind of all of these little hermeneutical insights that hopefully will get the preacher excited and help him to preach the letter well. Good. Well, Rob, we uh, appreciate your labors and and look forward to the product uh, when when the Lord finally uh, enables you to bring that to completion and and to really give to those of us who are not quite the connoisseurs of uh, commentaries as you are the benefit of your labor and long time reading and, and really breaking this down for those that would that want to get to the point of the passage and those that have the responsibility to to minister that word to others. Thanks mm-hmm. for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for checking in, Rob. Thanks, brothers. So, James, I know you and Rob go way back. I, I think one of the things that that was um, encouraging, he's so enthusiastic about Romans. I mean, you get the feeling, and I, and I think, you know, this is correct, that he, he could just go on and on and on about it, and, and that's a good thing. He's excited about the book. He acknowledged at the beginning that it's a daunting book. Um, have you found in, w- w- when you come to preach something or when you're going to study something, that you consciously avoid books like Romans because... You're aware of all the people in the past, all the giants in the past who have written on it or, or, or preached on it. Yeah, I I haven't preached a lot from Romans, and I'll and I'll grant part of it's the intimidation, part of it's knowing, having a strong sense of how important certain passages are, right? And maybe feeling my own inadequacy to really handle them well. And I think part of the reason that I feel that way is that having sort of come back to Romans again and again over the years, I find out that there are things going on right. in individual sections or, or chapters or even in the whole that I hadn't seen before. And there's, in terms of, maybe put it this way, in terms of the moving parts of the argument mm-hmm. in Romans, it seems that there are so many more of them to master than perhaps in a book like Philippians or, or Colossians, a smaller Pauline epistle. Right. Right. Um, and I think it's that fear of, the sheer number of moving parts and the coherency of the whole that I find sometimes can be elusive that can intimidate me. I think the, and maybe I've also, I think we've all probably experienced this where you watch someone who has no idea there are so many moving parts just in a kind of clunky way, just sort of, sort of plod right through it. I think with Rob, what, what we'll get is someone who is, who really is alert to just so many layers of texture in Romans, and part of it is just his personal way of approaching a text. He is he is uh, he studies everything he teaches exhaustively. I think if he is able with this commentary to really distill some of those discoveries, as he says, hints and helps or something like yeah, that for the pastor. Yeah. If he can do that, it'll be it, it should be a great benefit, and I hope instills confidence in, in people like me and others who who have to teach the whole counsel of God, and yet certain pieces of the counsel of God intimidate us more than others. Yeah, sometimes those kind of books can be really helpful, though, those, those sort of hints and helps books, just to, to prime the pump. I think I would also say this. I mean, wherever you are in your Christian life, you shouldn't be, on the one hand, you always want to approach the Bible humbly and recognize there may be layers that you're missing, but at the same time, don't be afraid to right. jump in. It's, it's a little bit like the conversation we had last year with uh, Liam Gallagher about 
preaching hard passages. I mean, I think Romans in its own way is that kind of a passage. And so uh, nonetheless, it's worth diving into and, and so many great commentaries on it. I was curious to see what Rob's angle was going to be, but I think it, it makes sense. I think you're going to get something homiletically friendly. And I say this uh, just knowing Rob, the effort he puts into into crafting a sermon as a, as a memorable and approachable event uh, where the word of God is proclaimed, but it's proclaimed in a way that's meant to really stick. Uh, I, I anticipate that we'll see some of that same craft at work in his commentary on yeah, Romans. Yeah. Well, thanks. We're out of time and we appreciate you listening to us today. We'd love for you to recommend Theology on the Go to your friends. And uh, if there are suggestions that you have, topics you'd you'd like us to consider, people you'd like us to interview, please email us and let us know. We couldn't do Theology on the Go or really anything that the Alliance is involved with without the support of listeners like you. And so if you're able to donate to the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, you can do that on AllianceNet.org or on PlaceForTruth.org. And just for listening, we'd like to offer you the opportunity to win a copy of Come to the Waters. This is a devotional book based on Dr. James Montgomery Boyce's commentaries on Romans. He preached a number of sermons on Romans. There is a four-volume commentary set on Romans, and this is a distillation of that. You can read a page of it every day. It's set up for you to read it with your devotions, and it's an excellent way of diving into the book of Romans, particularly if it's been intimidating to you. So go to placefortruth.org, click on the Theology on the Go link, scroll down. There'll be a place for you to enter to win Come to the Waters by James Montgomery Boyce. Again, thank you for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth.